0: Happy Hanukkah This Shabbos, we're going to read Parsh Miquet. We take out a second Sefer Taylor, as we're going to read the, read the Kriya of Hanukkah which we begin tomorrow morning. Each day we read of the Nesim, and so the 8th day which we read all the rest of the Nesim as well. This Shabbos is also Shabbos and Varchem HaChedosh, Chedish Tevez. Shreddish Tevis, one or two days always comes out Hanukkah. As Pashmi Kate always comes out Shabbat's Hanukkah. Pashmi Kate, a very, very educational Pasha. A Torah portion that teaches us simply how to behave. A Torah portion that goes against every psychological analysis, prognosis, evaluation that there is today. psychologists will tell us of the mental scars that people wear people bear the mental scars that people have throughout their lives the traumas the addictions etc Ironically, in the brilliant world of medication, in the brilliant world of medical research, they can come up with nothing, except that a person can always and always must remain scarred for life. Tells us the teda, which teda is not just a storybook, Has but teda is loshen a lesson. Tells us the teda, who could have been traumatized more than Yosef haTzadik. The holy Yosef, one of the twelve tribes, one of the sons of our patriarch Jacob. His father noticed the greatness, noticed his holiness, noticed his value. Hence his father attempted Successfully, of course, to instill in this child a tremendous, tremendous amount of spirituality, intellect, and Torah knowledge, etc. He gave the child, as we spoke last week, the Ksenas Pasim, the garment, the multicolored garment. And yet, after all that his brothers put him through, after all that he goes through, through thick and through thin, Yosef not only overcomes his mental scars, but Yosef takes it to a whole new level. Yasef takes it so that he truly, truly not only forgives his brothers, but reconnects with his brothers in a way that they never knew they could be connected to one another. He brings them together in such a way that they are lost. The kindness and the love that he bestows upon them without them knowing who their benefactor is, is lost by them. Who could this be and why would this person be treating us so royally? They purchase food and he puts back their money for the food in their bags. Their reaction immediately is, "Uh uh-oh. This fellow is going to get us in trouble. He's trying to call us spies to begin with. He calls us a group of spies. And he looks like he despises us, but he didn't. This was true, true love that Yosef had for his brothers. And from the first moment, seeing them, it awakened within him such compassion That it was just beyond. He himself did not know how to keep his emotions in check. So strongly, so dearly was he connected to these brothers. These very same brothers that beat him, mocked him, humiliated him disrobed him, threw him into a ditch of snakes and scorpions and sold him as a lowly slave. <coughs> These very same brothers. For any human being today's day and age would be rightfully acceptable socially to take revenge for what what is done to him especially since he was now in a position to do so. But no, not only does Yosef not take revenge, not only does Yosef not bear a grudge, but Yosef is is filled with love and compassion for his brothers. Perhaps absence makes the heart grow fonder. Perhaps you want to say that the years, the 22 years that they were separated he missed his family now. But based on what he was going through what did he miss? Nobody liked him. Nobody cared for him. They tortured him. What could he have missed? But no, that was not at all the case, that is not at all the scenario Yosef was pure and no matter what was done to him he learned that this was all from Hashem he was put in position to be in the Mitzrayim for whatever reason it was and because it all came from Hashem he accepted it with love to such an extent that he forgave and overlooked and totally eradicated and wiped out from his mind and heart any hard feelings, any harsh feelings, any misfeelings towards his siblings. The encounters un indescribable, yet the Tater does so. As the brothers enter to his quarters, and as he gathers them around his table and puts them in each in position in chronological order. <speaking> in <Hebrew> <speaking> in <Hebrew> Yosef became overwhelmed, he became so enthralled as his <speaking in> rachamim <Hebrew> woke up, his compassion woke up for his brothers. And Rashi explains. Rashi, (coughs) the superhero of the child, of the Benchamesh, the Mikra. Rashi, the one that comes to explain in the simplest form and fashion for each and every one of us to understand the Pasuk. For he himself looks through and delves into A question that might arise from this. And he therefore gives his interpretation. And Rashi explains and he says a dialogue that went on between Yosef and his brothers. Sha'alu they asked, Yesh Do you have children, your majesty? Not knowing who this majesty was lay he said to them, I have ten sons." Omarle, he said to him, "Sorry, he said to them. they said to him. Umashmam, may we ask what are the names of your sons? Why is it relevant?" But it was a formality, let us say, that the brothers are passing pleasantries. You mentioned you have ten sons. They don't ask what are their ages. They don't ask what they're doing for a living. They don't ask if they're healthy. Mashmum. What are their names? Lohem. Yosef answers them. The names of my children: Bella, Ovechad, excuse me, etc. Amrulai. At that point, hearing the names, they said to him, Ma'at <coughs> shashem What is the nature? What is the source of these names? Where do they come from? Omar Lamid said to them, Kulam al Shem Achai. They are all named after my brother. And the troubles they've gone through. And he explains Belash and Ibn La Bera Umay's He was swallowed up in the lands. Immediately, compassion welled up. It became enthralled, it became heated up. Chassidus explains this dialogue. The Rebbe explains in the Kutit Tera, on Pasha's Bahar, he did Israel in al name of The Jews are called on the name of Joseph. The psaltist says unto him, "Nay, cutzain Joseph." They acted behaved as the sheep of Joseph. And they need to awaken. As Binyamin awakened by Yasif. As Binyamin transcribed all the names of the sons, uh, ten sons of Binyamin. As the ten sons of Binyamin's names were named after the Tzaddas of Yasif. Binyamin himself was called Ben Aini. And we need to have Rahmanis on the spark of godliness within him. According to this dictate of the Alter Rebbe in the Kutit Tera, we can understand and explain this Rashi. Rashi is only hinting. How can a person awaken within himself... Compassion from within his soul, his inner soul. In the beginning, a person must concentrate on the greatness of his holy soul, referring to his soul as Achai, my brother. For in the beginning, this holy soul was attached to the Almighty God Himself. As we know, it was mitachas mitachazkise it was sliced out from under the Holy Throne of God. And the Kedusha, its sanctity had no measurement. But this very same Holy Neshama came about, experienced, umes <inaudible> the troubles, the problems that it experienced, and being swallowed up between the nations. From its highest place, Miigra Rama, as Nizaya tells us. <laughs> From this ever so high place, the vira amikta to this lowest of low. And where does it come? Where does it end up? It ends up within a physical body. Not only in a physical body, but in this body it gets company. Wonderful company a Efesh Bahamas and a Yetzirah. It's being dragged down so deep. So, so deep is this holy, holy Neshama. So entrenched in this physical world as a physical being it could actually commit a sin. Come on let's learn. So when we concentrate on all this in truth, and according to our instinct, when we say Nikhmu and Aschamammu, in a way it warmed up, it heated up. The heart of the person begins to burn with a passion with a flame. And it begins to be tortured of its situation, of its predicament. And this ultimately awakens compassion on its brother, the Holy Nishama. And through this we awaken the Rachamim of Lamaila. Once we awaken within ourselves the compassion, compassion from the Almighty comes down upon us as well. And the compassion from the Almighty which takes us out of this situation and raises us up higher and higher and higher. This was the service of Yosef Sadiq. This was what Yosef HaTzadik accomplished. Being able to awaken this compassion within himself. Being able to awaken it to an extent that nothing, not a Yetzahara, not a physical body, not the pains and not the tortures that that were inflicted upon him, were able to suppress the wondrous love that he had for his brothers. We hear the story of Yosef translating the dreams of Pare, which in essence Pare saw within his dreams the translation, but could not remember them. And therefore when every one of his translators, all of his geniuses tried to give him a translation of his dream, he was not satisfied because that's not what I saw. And it was only when Yosef presented his interpretation of the dream did Pari wake up, did he lighten up and know that this was indeed what the dream was. And Yasef is given the task of being second in command. Everything but the throne was Yasef's. And so Yasef runs the situation very, very meticulously. So much so that ultimately The world comes to Yosef for food. Yaakov Avinu, who was not lacking food at the time, but did not want to poke out the eyes of his non-Jewish neighbors, told his children, "Yeshaveh b'mitzrayim." Another prophecy which Yaakov prophesizes. Sending his children to Egypt to begin the process that ultimately brings about the redemption. As each and every trial and tribulation that you go through is a step closer to the ultimate redemption. And the children say, heaven forbid, your servant should do such a thing. Although this is a conversation between the brothers and Yisav, as we said, this tale is not a storybook. Hence, when you hear this, we know for ourselves we need to apply this in our daily life. Once again, Rashi explains chalila Khulin hulanu. Can give me a couple of It was a unpleasant way of putting it. The teta comes in four forms. Is explain in four forms, Pshat, Remez, the said. Let us deviate from Pshat. Let us turn to Remez. And through Remez, we will explain just this concept. Later in the Chumash in the in Chumash Dvarim, In Pashat chapter 14, verse 2. Ki am kodesh atol Hashem halekecha. For you are a holy nation. To God your God. For b'nei Yisrael kodeshim heim. Jewish nation uh, holy. Ve'ez kim rak b'nyani k'dusha v'aveir Yisra Shem Yisbarach. And they only involve themselves... In holy things, and service the Almighty. We know though, in Chumash in Shemais, thank you, in the book of Exodus, in Parshish Israel where the ten commandments are given, Taylor tells us clearly, Six days you should work and do all your entire work. A very clear message, implication. That we need to involve ourselves with physical and mundane things in this world. However, we are commanded according to Mishnah Pekhe Chapter 2, Perik Beis, Mishnah Yud Beis, Mishnah 12. Everything you do should be for the sake of heaven. And Mishnah it says, All your paths you should know God, you should constantly think of God. The intention therefore means that the person, whatever they do physically in this world, should be in order to elevate and to purify what's in this within this world. So much so, that a person should become a vessel for spirituality, and the physical... Being or physical item that they are working with also should become a vessel for spirituality. This is therefore the pasuk "Chulin Hu Lanu as Rashi says, that it's only a it's a of embarrassment. The Shvatim, the holy tribes, the sons of Yaakov say. They were messengers to Yosef. And when they say, <laughs> that the Bnei Yisrael are shaykhim ti yanim, they are connected, they are capable of doing things that are physical, that not only spirituality. But this is an embarrassment. And it's the opposite total of the truth. Because Yisrael, the Jews are am Kaddish. They are a holy nation. And therefore there is no physicality of Elam They have no connection with any of this physical mundane world. But rather, they take it and they elevate it. And they turn it all into spirituality. It's time for a detour. It's time to turn the shir over to the date, to today, tonight, the beginning of Hanukkah. For this Shabbos, which is Minim is Baruch Yemen the day which blesses all days of the week, is referred to as Shabbos Hanukkah. And Hanukkah is such a powerful lesson for the Jewish nation. Such a simple holiday. Eat latkes. Eat jelly donuts. Light menorah, Spin a dreidel. that's it, we go to shul, when we bench we have to say Valanissim, when we daven we have to say Valanissim, the supplementary for Hanukkah, we're going to read the teda every day of the week now, we're going to say the hallel every day of Hanukkah, on Purim we don't even say hallel. But yet when you prepare for Purim, Purim is such a preparation, it's such an amazing holiday and so beautiful and so exciting, all jam packed into one day here in Khuth. If you live in Israel, you can catch two. But yet when you talk about Purim, memories of Purim, people's eyes light up. And they have fond memories of all the years of Purim they went through when it comes to Pesach we of course have mixed emotions when you mention it 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 sends shivers down the women's spine even if you're only Hanukkah time even if there's two others (coughs) the mere mention of Pesach sends them into a frenzy The holiday itself the seder the days of pesach beautiful pure spirituality how much more spiritual can we get in the seder it's almost like Nidre and nila hanukkah a simple holiday we can drive, we can do everything we want physically. Half hour while the there is is light lit, that's it. Let us therefore analyze what indeed is the significance of Hanukkah. And let us therefore, shall we say, change our attitude perhaps, to the greatness, to the spirituality of Chanukah. The Gemara tells us, for those keeping score at home, Mesech the Shabbos, Chof Aleph 21, side 2. The Sugya of Chanukah, The famous Sugya of Taner Abonan, May Chanukah. And the Gemara tells us, Kishinich Nisuh Yivonam Leheichel, when the Greeks entered into the Hekel, they made impure all the oils in the hekel. when the Hashminoim came along and they conquered, when they overpowered Venitzkum, and they conquered, Botku, they began to search. Throughout the Besamikdash in vain. Vele Motzul says the they did not find a lapach echad one bottle, one flask of oil. Shoyimunach that was sealed with the seal of the kein godel, etc. Wow. To prove to us that this one flask of oil remained in purity, pure, would be enough if was, it was the seal was intact. If it had a seal over it, it was closed, that would make it, that would render it pure. What's the difference to us? That this pach, this flask, had to have a signature dafka of the Koyin Godel, the high priest. That's so random. There are those that explain, interpret that, and say that this high priest was a very, very stringent person on himself. He had many stringencies that he had undertaken in life. And one of them, therefore, was that he sealed his own oil. But let us explain exactly what the significance really could be to us. Chasidis tells us, and it's also brought down in Zayar, or rather, Zayar tells us, Chasidis explains. You can also find it in Gemara, those keeping score at home, Mesechtis Menachas, Pei Hei Amit 85, side 2. The Gemara tells us, Miteich Shereguin B'Shem Enzayis, those who are frequent in using Shem Enzayis, olive oil, Chach B'Metsuya Behen. They have a certain sharpness to them. Their intelligence is at a different level. Because oil signifies Chachma. And therefore, according to this explanation, where it says, Timu Kalashmanim Shebeheichol, they try to make impure all the oils. It doesn't say all the bottles, all the jars. They try to make impure the oils. They try to... Make impure the Sechel and the Chokhmah of the Jews. Which means to tell us, <coughs> even someone dealing with something physical understands what's going on here. When they made impure all the oils, they could not understand. The idea of spirituality, of holiness, and godliness. The strength of the actual Greeks was intellect. They were very, very intellectual people. And they appreciated intellectuality. But the Nikudas Hayados, the Pintaliyid. That flame within a Jew that each and every Jew has, they could not touch. They could not make impure. And therefore, that always remains intact. This was therefore the salvation of the impurities of the Greeks. Was because this this oil was sealed by the seal of the Keingodal. What does a Keingodal signify? What is the significance of a Keingodal? The Ramam tells us, <speaking in Hebrew> He sat in the temple all day. <speaking in Hebrew> His house was in Yerushalayim, and he never left it, he never moved out of there. This goes on the point of the Jewish soul known as Yechida. <coughs> the Yechida of the soul, the pintulayid that we spoke about, always remains intact. And therefore what happened? Matsu, they found and they revealed this very concept that it's Possible to elevate, to lighten up other parts of the Nehavai and Ishma's Adam. So therefore, when the Greeks tried to make it impure, and we'll discuss this at length a little further. Ironically, as we mentioned before, we say the, the Alhanism, the Vialanism is recited, benching, endavening Shemnesi, throughout Hanukkah. And the laws, of someone forgets it, should be asked by a rabbi if you do. In the Vialanism it tells us about the miracle. Listen, my friends, what happened here the days of... Matasyo Yeknan Kodl Hashminoi Vonov and his children Shaomda Malkus and Yovanarasha and the wicked kingdom of the Greeks stood up to destroy them. And the miracle that took place was Mozarto Gibedin Biad Khaloshan. You gave over the strong into the hands of the weak and the many in the hands of the few Utameyimbiatrim the impure in the hands of the pure Virasha Sadikim the wicked in the hands of the righteous Vizadimbiade those that were so void of anything into the hands of those that involve themselves with Yatera. We grow up with that story. We grow up hearing how it was the great miracles of Hanukkah, the battle of the Chashminoim, the battle of the Maccabees. Mila Hashem alai was their battle cry. Who is with God? Who is on the side of God? Join me. But listen to what we just said. The hands of the strong went into the hands of the weak. Wow, that's a miracle. Usually, a a stronger person will beat a weaker person. So it was a miracle. The weak went. Excuse me. The few conquered the many. Another miracle the odds were against them and yet they prevailed they overcame odds Okay, another miracle accepted but then and this is although of course we know that this is unnatural for this to go on that way because the law of nature dictates differently But now, let us focus on the rest of the miracles that we talk about. To in and the impure, fell to the hands of the pure. Huh? What's the miracle? Is an impure person supposed to be stronger than a pure person? And we go further than that. Also, the ones that are learning Torah now that I have any strength. What was the miracle that the pure people killed the impure ones? <coughs> it says in the Zayar, in the holy Zayar. Take for the gufa, chul We take for the nishmasa, chul gufa. Strong body weakens the soul, a strong soul weakens the body. Physical and spiritual, therefore, are total opposites. Although they don't sound like they're in the same league or in the same realm. But yet we say they're total opposites. Anything that is very physical... It conceals the spirituality. And anything that is extremely spiritual... You almost lack to see the physicality of the the idea. According to this, therefore, we can understand... And we can explain... That the truth be told, the great miracle of the impure being given to the hands of the pure, of the wicked into the hands of the righteous, that this is even a greater miracle than the strong into the hand of the weak, and the many in the hand of the few. Because when strength and physical when physical strength and weakness are confronted, or many other physical attributes, even though they are different. And it's a very wondrous thing that the strong fell to the weak, and to the many fell to the few. But still in all, they are not opposites. Opposites. Because the few and the weak can still be strong and can still be very powerful. You can have an army, an elite army of five or ten people, and they can take on a big army with their intelligence and with their expertise, etc. So although they are a contradiction, the strong and the weak, the many and the few... That doesn't mean it's a given that they have to beat them. And even more so, when I say this man is very, very strong, and this man is weak, he doesn't have to be a weak man. He could be weak compared to this strong man, but not necessarily is he physically weak. And when you have hundreds of thousands And you have tens of thousands. It's many and few, relatively speaking. But tens of thousands is quite a formidable army. When it comes to spiritual, when it comes to pure and impure, there's total opposites. And therefore the impure, Kenchase God forbid, taint, and therefore the pure has no room for the impurity. But still in all, God took the impure and gave them into the hands of the pure. Although they don't mesh, they don't come together at all. As did the Shoyim, biyat and Zayidim, biyat Eskiz, and The wicked man doesn't mesh with the, good, with the holy man. The holy man is not going to come along and tell him, we'll become one. But rather to conquer him. To put him in a, le- in a level, to put him at a level. To put him in a situation, a predicament, that yes, he conquers him and he improves on him in such a way that he forgets what he was and becomes what he should, what he should be. Reverting to what we said before. The Greeks entered the Holy Temple. They entered the courtyard. And they made impure all the oil. Why? What did they want? They didn't want the menorah to be lit. So they made the oil impure. Now I ask you. if you don't want a light to turn on you can do one of two things you can take out the light bulbs or you can disconnect the electrical source in very simple layman's terms you can turn off the switch you don't have to Go to the circuit breakers to cut off the electric so that you get the light in the ceiling to turn off. But you also don't go up onto your ceiling and unscrew your light bulbs. So if you, Yavanim, you Greeks, did not want the Jews to light your Meneda, simple. Make sure there's no oil. What do they do? They make it impure. If they didn't want the Jews to just light the manure, spill out the oil. Take it away. Take it with you. What does it mean they only made it impure? What were they looking to accomplish by making the oil impure? When, if they wanted to stop the menorah being lit, what they had to do was make sure there was no oil at all. Tavshin Aleph, the Friyil said salamayma. When he describes this, he says the campaign of the Greeks, the Hellenist Greeks, to make the Jews forget your Tata, to violate. Your decrees of your will, the decrees of your will, as the Medrash relates, says the Fiddiklever, they do- ordered right on the horn of an ox that you have no portion in the God of Israel. In effect, they waged war against God. By all means, the Greeks conceded; let them practice Judaism. Let him practice the laws. Let him do mitzvahs. Let him study teda. But don't mention God. Don't say it's His commandments. Don't say it's His decree. Don't say you're doing His will. Don't associate teda with divinity. This was therefore their goal. It didn't bother them the Jews learned Teda. They enjoyed seeing intellectual people. They enjoyed seeing people that were sharp. The main battle they waged not to say Torah Secho, not to say it's God's Teda that they were learning. For a philosophy, for a good discussion, for a good debate. Beautiful. Learn all the teda you want. But not because it's God's Tata. Now we understand what it means. They made impure the oil. They didn't pour it away. As we mentioned before, that oil signifies chokhmah, the intellect. The Greeks did not want to wipe out intellect. To wipe out the intellect of Teda itself. But rather to stage war against the Shemen that it should be impure. Don't feel that you're learning Teda of God for the sake of God. That was the twist that they were looking to get. The Gimara continues in Masech Shabbos, 21, side 2. Ne'er Hanukkah, where does the Ne'er Hanukkah need to be put? <coughs> Sorry. Mitzel Anicham pesach Beisay me'bechutz, we put it by the doorway of the house to the outside. I'ma Yadar if we lived in an attic, Manicham al-Chalein asmuch we put it by the window closest to the public domain. This is a direct lesson to the way a Jew must serve his Creator. The lights of Hanukkah, the candles of Hanukkah, have a commandment to light up outside, Out, light up the surroundings. From this we learn, a person may not feel that he has sufficiently done what he needed to do when it comes to service to God. And he also needs to be meticulous with the most simple of mitzvahs, the most simple commandments, as if the most stringent. Whether it be Chal of Yisrael, whether it be eating on Yom Kippur, the person needs to shine the hot ear give off, to radiate and to be mashpia also on the outside to influence on the outside as well from the outside of the tchum of Kidusha, from the with outside of the realm of spirituality the person must see to it that he radiates as Mishnah said, the Shleim says, Ner Mitzvah er, the candle of Mitzvah and the light of tera. A person perhaps could think, this job is only for those that are, they, they involve themselves in this kind of line, this is their line of work. That in their world, they go out and they're involved, and they see people, and they have people. <laughs> says the Tayt, says the Gemara Achim the B'nai Aliyah. Gemara Mesech for those keeping score at home, 45 side B. Even the people that live in the attics, who ve'enle Pesach ve'esach Does not have a doorway, does not have an entrance and exit to the actual public domain. Should not think that this is not his mission, to involve himself in lightening the outside. (coughs) This is therefore what the Gimara tells us, if the man lived in an attic, he should put it by his window that is closest to the Shusharabim to the public domain. For even the B'nai Aliyah have an obligation to lighten the outside, at least by putting their candle by the window to the public domain. and they entered the sanctuary again as the Rebbe says now the same explanation again the Greeks defiled the oil and once it was recaptured by the Hashem on the 25th day of Kislev they searched and found only one bottle one flask untampered seal of the high priest a miracle occurs although this was not enough to burn eight days it burned for eight days why eight days? why did they have to away make new oil? so that the flask had to have a miracle Tzarket when it's in public need the law is we push aside certain stringencies for example, just this, it would be It would be the public's need to light that mineta on a daily basis, and therefore we'd push aside the concept of it being one hundred percent pure oil. You would even be able to use the defiled oil to kindle the mineta until you made no oil. Why did God turn around and say, "No, I want this to burn for eight days"? The miracle came about for no other reason than to show how God loves His people. Justifiably so. The Jews were looking to reinstate the Holy Temple the best way possible. Second-rate oil was already a compromise and it would, not do, it would not be good enough. So therefore God said, I will also chip into this mission. And how does he chip into this mission? By also making sure, a miracle that the pure oil, the grade A oil was used and was able to stay alive for eight days. Because Hashem showed how the mitzvahs He cherished. And God displayed therefore an eternal love for the Jewish people through these enduring flames. And therefore in these days, in the days of Hanukkah, Shabbos Hanukkah, Mevarachim Achidish Teves, where we gather in the Chabad, we say the entire Te'elim. May we actually see the true illumination of the world. May we actually merit to see the Kohen Gadol, standing once again and lighting the Menorah, As the Meneda, we know now that the Menorah was lit by es k'checho. It was lit in the courtyards, so we don't have to worry that it's going to be lit within the Kodesh and Therefore, and therefore, only the the ones that can enter into the sanctuary can see it. But rather, it can be lit in the courtyard for each and every Jew to see. And may we merit to see it tonight, the lighting of the Meneira HaKdesha, as it will be brought out to the courtyard, so that every single solitary Jew can see it, and can bask in the light of the Holy Meneira. And we will all merit to be tonight, in Yerushalayim Yerak Kodesh. Amen. Shabbat Shalom to all, Hanukkah Sameach.